I just feel like the Lord gave me a word. Um, and I feel like that's what we're going to hopefully get to this morning. Jesus, help me. Yeah. Hang on. Shava, shank, dang, it's unbelievable. I'm going to take five seconds, okay? I just need five. Jesus, you're really good. Oh, man. Got Got a word that got stuck on the inside this week. I tried to shake it off with another word, and the Lord wouldn't let me do that. Um, but it's really connected to the fact that that we're a, we're a community of people here who have who have destiny on us, and uh, that's not unlike other communities of people. But um, you know, you belong to this community, so you belong to the destiny that Jesus has has planted specifically in us. And um, really, the word that's, that I've been carrying for the past oh couple months, you know, maybe even you know since I took the job or whatnot is the fact that, you know, if you're a part here, if, if, you're, if you're, you know, if you've made that transaction with the Lord, if you've, if you've begun to trust the Lord and, and put trust in Jesus that His sacrifice has satisfied the wrath of God, that the Holy Spirit has come on you, and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're not just a person who's free from guilt or free from shame, but you're a person who's empowered for re- reformation. We're, we're reformation people. And, um, man, Lord... The Lord wants. The Lord is about to inaugurate rest, uh, a reformation, and He's about to inaugurate reformation in the state of Kentucky, and He's about to do it with with people who are in this room, and even some people who are not in this room, uh, and some even even some other people through the state, and um, and uh, so we need to we need to hear about how to be a reformer even again because I just can't get away from it. And here's what I mean by being a reformation. Uh, Jessica, I didn't bring any of those scriptures with me. If you'll put them up. This is, this is the kind of Reformation work that we're called to. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 38. This is a little summary that Peter gives us about the work of Jesus. He says, And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, and how He went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with Him. That's, that's what Reformation looks like. Again, Jessica, the next one, please. We're just going to roll through these. What did Jesus do? The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And the next one. And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. And the next one. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the next one. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so this is like the thing that the Lord has laid at our feet. He's laid it at everybody's feet. But I just feel like there's, there's, there's destiny on this church to, to reform culture. See, that's the thing about when the Holy Spirit lands on a life, you can't find anybody in the Scripture who, who was impacted by the Holy Spirit. You can't find anyone in the Scripture who was radically encountered by God who didn't become a radical, reformational change agent for the culture that they lived in. And that's one of the things that the Lord is asking us, and He's putting out the call even now. He's like, you know, who will be with me in changing culture? It's not okay for, for Campbellsville to be a place 
where people know God, yet nothing happens in Campbellsville that glorifies God. It's, it's not okay that government and school and, and, and industry not glorify God. It's not okay that the kingdom of heaven isn't what rules and reigns every sphere in Campbellsville. And that's what the Lord's talking about when he's talking about reformation. He's talking about, he's talking about empowering people, not just to take the, sh- the shame and the guilt and the sin off of you. Yeah, the gospel is way bigger than that. The gospel is to take guilt, shame, and condemnation off of you and to put the power of the Holy Spirit in you to bring about reformation for the place that you were planted. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And um, uh, along those lines this morning, uh, I, I want to tell you guys this, that there's a, there's a thousand facets to success. Have you guys ever noticed that? Like, um, and the preacher, preachers are the worst at this. Like, not just preachers, but the church in general. Uh, the church and preachers, uh, we're really guilty of one thing. Uh, we're, we're guilty of taking incredibly complicated things and dumbing them down too much and, and, and boiling things down to their least common denominators and in doing so, robbing the truth that the complicated thing actually preserves. And, and what I mean by that is this, is that success at any level, and success in business, success in being a disciple, success at loving your wife, success at, at uh, being a child or being a... Uh, being a, a parent, uh, it, it's not dependent on any one thing. It, it's a thousand things. And um, um, I, I say that because I want us to look at one other thing that success is, uh, that, that, that success depends on uh, when it comes to being a reformer. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about uh, in great detail for the last six months is that, is that reformers, uh, and I've already alluded to it this morning, is that reformers are people who have encountered God, and, and reformers are people who have been empowered with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's that when the presence comes, it comes for a purpose. You know, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't given just so that we could roll around the carpet and have a party. Likewise, the Holy Spirit wasn't given so that we could, uh, so that we could uh, be comforted during hard times. He's for those things, but he's not for those things also. So one facet of, of success in the kingdom, one facet of success when it comes to being a reformer and literally shaping cultures and discipling nations, which is the, the real task that Jesus gives us. One essential component of that is to, is to have an encounter with God and to be empowered with the Holy Spirit, but it's not the only one. And if you want to, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 3, and I want to talk about another, another aspect of, um, of the anointing. We're going to start with uh, the baptism of Jesus. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. We'll read together here. It says, When the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. And with you, I'm well pleased. We'll stop there. Um, we've made a lot in the past six months, and rightfully so. We've made a lot of, of the fact that Jesus did no miracles. He did no ministry until, until, he, until the presence came on his life. He, um, he was baptized and... Um, Strangely enough, it's like, why did Jesus need to be baptized? It's, it, you know, the, the strange thing here is that Jesus was baptized because his whole life was a model for us for how to live. 
you know, even though he didn't need to be baptized per se, he was modeling what true life is. And it was at baptism that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And at that moment, Jesus received received uh, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And I love what it says in some of the other Gospels. It was that the dove descended on him and it remained. And so we, we've made a lot of the fact that over the past six or eight months, especially when we're talking about being reformers and change agents in culture, that, that Jesus did no ministry until he was empowered by the Spirit to do so. He did no miracles before this moment of being baptized and, and receiving the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. But I want to also point out something else, that, that at this moment, uh, Jesus didn't just receive the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, in this moment, Jesus received the Father's endorsement. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning, if I can. If you're new here, you just need to know, this is not me. People who know me know I don't act like this. So Jesus received his Father's endorsement. And so what I want to begin with this morning is is telling you this, that uh, being a reformer for change in culture, uh, it, it requires... It requires two kinds of anointing, or let me put it this way, let me say it this way. It requires, uh, there's two facets of the anointing, um, and the anointing is to receive the Holy Spirit and to receive power, but the anointing is also to receive the Father's approval. And, um, and I, I want to tell you guys that we're never going to change Campbellsville. We're never going to change culture. We're never going to change history. We're not going to disciple nations with, with an anointing of the Holy Spirit alone. It, 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 there, that is good, but it's not enough. I, I want to tell you that, that real change agents for, for the kingdom, uh, they come with two things. They come with an empowering presence to do what they couldn't do any other way. And they also come with the confidence that comes from having the Father's approval. There, there's, there's something about having the Father's approval that instills confidence and it, and it does away with insecurity, and, and it releases you to move in power. I'm going to turn my page. This could be a problem. And so I want to talk just for a second about the Father's endorsement on Jesus, and I want to outline just a couple things here uh, that, was, that was special about the Father's endorsement to Jesus. And, and the first thing is this, is that the Father's endorsement to Jesus was uh, was public. It wasn't a private matter. It was a public matter. The second thing is, is that it was a spoken. It wasn't just something that Jesus knew from being around the house. It wasn't something that his father expected him to just get because of all the other things that his father does for him. It wasn't just something that, that his father assumed that he would catch somehow. It wasn't an understanding that his father assumed would be absorbed into his life. It was both public and it was spoken. It was made crystal clear. The, the father's endorsement and the father's approval was a spoken and it was a public event. Not only that, this is maybe the best part. Um, the Father's approval of Jesus is unconditional. And the reason that we know it's unconditional is because up to this point, Jesus had done nothing to deserve the Father's approval. What ministry had Jesus done? You know, so many of us, we work from a place, or we live from a place of hoping to, to, to gain approval. We, we, we bash our brains out trying to get approval and And Jesus is showing us the model for life here. The model for life is you begin with approval. Before you've done anything good or before you've done anything bad, uh, you know, Jesus begins with the Father's approval. It was public, it was spoken, it was unconditional, and it was identity forming. 
The father said to Jesus, you are my son. And I, I want to I tell the church that identity comes from fathers. And if you're a father in the house, identity comes from fathers. Uh, some of you guys had messed up fathers and your identity has been malformed because of that. Um, Jesus' identity was rooted in, in the fact that he was his father's son. So the father's endorsement was public, it was spoken, it was unconditional, it was forming, and it was affection. The father spoke to Jesus in front of everyone, and he says, I love you, whom I love. You know, sons, sons children, they need, uh, they need affection, and, it's, and they need more than the affection that, just, um, that they're supposed to understand because the lights are on. Um, success in the kingdom... Uh, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, it can on, it, it only it only it only finds its it only f- finds its landing spot when we're moving in the, in the love of the Father. Uh, it, here's the deal: like if you if you're if you're doing ministry, if you're trying to follow the Lord apart from having an intimate knowledge that you're accepted and that you that you have the Father's approval. It turns into religion, and it turns into you trying to work for something that you've already got. It, it, it turns into beating your he- head against the wall about things that Jesus is not even into. It, it turns into jumping hoops that Jesus hasn't even put up and, and running hurdles that haven't even been stood up by Jesus. There, there's, something about, there's something about moving in the Father's affection that, that, actually, that actually prepares you, makes you the kind of soil that can handle the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, the Father's endorsement was approval. With you, I'm well pleased. Even before Jesus had done a thing, the Father approved of of his Son. And so this goes kind of both ways for us this morning. There's a... There's kind of two messages in one here. There's a message for earthly parents here this morning, and then there's, there's a message for, for everybody in the house about how our Father in Heaven feels about us. But um, the message, to I'll just take for a second here, the message for earthly parents goes like this. You know, uh, the Father put His feelings on full display. He didn't even let Jesus, you know, do the work that He came to do without putting His feelings on full display. And You know, uh, you know a lot of us grew up with, with uh, fathers or moms and dads who were who were distant and cold, and I just want to tell you, church, it's not okay. And 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 this is something that we can model in our own families. Um, is 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 speaking our infe- uh, speaking our affections to our children, speaking uh, speaking our, our our approval over our children, doing it in public, uh, quite quite contrary to whether they've done good things or whether they've done bad things. It builds it builds a security, and this is this is really huge for fathers. If you're a father in the house, this is enormous because your children's identity comes from you. Their identity comes from fathers. I'm not trying to you know deride the the role of motherhood. There's there's just so much there, but I just want to tell you, identity is formed, shaped, it's shaped, and it's hardened by fathers, and um, um, and security comes from having a father's approval. Holy Spirit confidence comes from knowing that you have the Heavenly Father's approval. And the opposite of this, of course, is insecurity. And we've, we've, all, we've all dealt with that. And uh, we have all know people who, uh, 
who, who roll in insecurity. And insecurity is a prison. I, I don't know, I mean, some of you all who deal with insecurity, maybe more than others, know what I'm talking about here. But insecurity is an absolute prison. And um, it's one of the things that the father wouldn't, was, was on, on the war path about with his son. And so he speaks to Jesus because insecurity is an absolute prison. This is, what, this is what I mean by insecurity is a prison. Insecurity keeps you from walking in destiny. Like, see, everybody, we were talking about this earlier this morning. Nobody when they're 16 or 17 years old is thinking, man, I really want to be mediocre in my life. Uh, nobody is thinking, wow, I really hope that I can end up being average someday. Um, you know, no one's thinking, wow, man, I hope one day I can like, work 40 hours a week, just enough to get by, drink a few beers, beat my wife, go to a NASCAR race. <laughs> you know, no, no one's thinking that. And the reason they're not thinking about that when you're 16 is because everyone, because everyone was born with a spark for greatness in their heart. Um, and that spark, that desire for greatness, is is part of is part of it's part of the image of God that was implanted in you uh, from the day that you were born. On the day that sperm touched egg, you know, the image of God was was fashioned and formed in you. And so there's there's a capacity for greatness. Everybody, when they're young, knows that they have a capacity for greatness. And um, greatness in the kingdom is defined, you know, radically different than greatness in the world. But you know, we, we're just we're made for greatness and. And, and that's what the father that's what the father wants to do. He wants to speak approval over us. He wants to speak his ringing endorsement over us because it builds security. Insecurity is a prison that keeps you from moving in destiny like when you when you're sixteen or seventeen, you daydream about the things that you really want to do in your life, and then you spend the next fifteen years talking yourselves out of trying. you know I, I sometimes have you guys do this if money were no object and fear fear were nowhere to be found, what would you do with your life? Take a second. If money were no object and you were free from all your fears, what would you do with your life? Everybody have some sort of a picture? See, that's what you're actually called to do. If money were no object and fear were nowhere to be found, that's, that's a good indicator and a good barometer for what you're supposed to do. And, and insecurity is a prison that keeps you from moving in destiny and it's... Um, it's the reason that we need the Father's love. We need his approval and we need his endorsement. The flip side of, of insecurity that's a prison is, is insecurity that's annoying. And, and you all know what I'm talking about here too. You know, some people are so insecure that they never move into the calling or the destiny that Jesus has, has outlined for them. And then other people are super insecure and they spend all day long, they spend their entire life telling everyone about how great they are. And so there's this really annoying, brash, oh, cheese grater on the knuckles sort of thing. And, and here's the deal. Trying to be great on your own, it never leads to the greatness that you actually want. And so there's a remedy and there's an antidote for that, and it's, and it's, it's being in the Father's love. There's insecurity that's a prison, and then there's insecurity that's brash, annoying, self-confident. And there's one antidote, and that's the Father's love. And so the Lord wants to do two things this morning. He wants to anoint us with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He wants to anoint us with His approval.
The beginning of destiny is actually approval, if I can say it that way. And so uh, before I go any further, I just want to take a second. We need to, we need to do a little, little brain and heart check. You need to ask yourself, am I living for approval or, or am I working to achieve it? Am I living from approval or am I working to achieve it? I was reminded this week of a really significant event that happened in my life. It was on the day that I got married. Uh, some of you guys were at my wedding, and you'll remember this. But on the day that I got, the, on the day that I was married, uh, Heather, I, I was a, I was a bloody mess. But uh, me and Josh Tucker were both a mess. Uh, but I was standing up front, and Heather comes down the aisle, and before the uh, official, you know, marriage exchanging of vows and exchanging of rings part came in. Um, maybe one of the most significant things in my life. I mean, like, two things happened on the same day that nearly ripped me apart. And, and before that I got married, my, my father stood up, and in front of God and everybody, spoke his heart to me, and it was shattering, okay? Um, and it was, it was just that the father, my dad, spoke his approval over my life and spoke his approval over this next phase. And I, I just want to tell you guys, like, you know, I grew up in a really good home. I mean, my mom and dad were great. You guys know them. They're, they're great people. Um, but there was something about this, this public proclamation and, and demonstration of my dad, who's not really a public speaker, getting up and, and speaking his affection over my life that I, Heather knows this. I mean, it, it shaped me more than maybe almost anything that's ever happened in my life. Um, I won't watch the wedding video. We have the wedding video. I won't watch it, you know. I, I'm, I'm saving it for someday when I might really need it. Um, but I was an emotional wreck. I couldn't, I, I, was so, I was so blown away by, A, getting to marry, you know, the woman that I love, and hearing the father's affection over me, my earthly father's affection over me. That night, when we got to the hotel room, I spent the whole night throwing up, and it was just because I was on emotional overload. You're thinking, great, this is what I'm signing up for. No, I, it's just that something got reordered, you know. Something was reordered in my life that was, that was not okay. And it comes, from, it comes from receiving the Father's approval. So it, it, ha- it happens on a natural level, and it also happens on a spirit level. And when it comes to destiny, they're actually both important. They're both important. This is how important that the, the identity that comes from receiving the Father's approval is. Turn to chapter 4. So Jesus gets baptized, receives Holy Spirit, receives Holy Spirit power that comes along with it, hears from heaven the Father's approval over his life, and then, and then he's out in the desert. And you guys know this story, but out in the desert he, he meets the devil. And look at verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. This is after Jesus has been around for 40 days and he's hungry. The first temptation that the devil throws at Jesus is one about what? 
It's one about identity. Why is it so important? It's so important because identity is located. It's the beginning of destiny. Having identity, having approval, the approval that, the identity that comes from approval, it's the beginning of destiny. It's so important that immediately Jesus is out in the desert and he has to battle with who? He has to battle with the devil. I've, I've read the scriptures. This is the only time that the devil comes up and meets Jesus. For the entire rest of Jesus' ministry, he runs into demonized people. He runs into demons. He runs into religious people who are out to kill him. This is the one time that he runs into the devil. Why is it that this was such a mission that the devil figures, I can't send any of my minions. I better go on my own. It's a question worth asking. Why did the devil come? The devil came because identity is huge. Receiving the Father's approval, having the Father speak his loving kindness, his affection, and his approval over you, sets something in your identity that makes you, an equip, makes you equipped to carry destiny and to carry reformation to the culture. It was such a big deal, the devil says, I can't send anyone else, I have to go on my own. And he shows up and he says, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. I love Jesus' response. Jesus tells him, man doesn't live by bread alone. What's the second half of that verse? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth. What, what had just proceeded from the mouth of his father? You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. See, this was a direct attack on the identity that he received at baptism. Yeah, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's about sonship. Verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him instantly all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The second temptation that Jesus uh, encounters with the devil, it's also about sonship. It's about inheritance. The devil offers Jesus a shortcut, or what seems like a shortcut, to something that Jesus actually already has. In Psalm chapter 2, uh, Psalm chapter 2, uh, you all can read this, I don't have time to turn there, but it's actually a, it's actually a psalm about sonship and inheritance. And in Psalm chapter 2, it, it writes, and this, it's actually a prophetic declaration about Jesus, it's about the man Jesus. And, and in, the, in the prophetic declaration of Psalm 2, uh, the Lord says to his his, his future son, ask of me and I'll give the nations to you as an inheritance. You know, Satan comes to Jesus and he says, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms and the authority that, that exist on the earth. Well, what's that about? It's actually about robbing Jesus of the inheritance that he already has. Who has inheritance? Sons have inheritance. Third temptation, the devil led him up to Jerusalem. And had him on the highest point of the temple, if you are the Son of God. See, there it is again. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see, Satan's getting even more crafty here. He's beginning to use scripture against Jesus. And, And the devil loves to use scripture against people, by the way. This is a great tactic of his. And, you know, here's the deal. He uses Psalm 91 against Jesus. And if we don't have a firm identity that's been formed, uh, formed under the Father's approval, under the Father's love, and under the Father's affection, 
we're wide open for deception, even deception that comes through what looks like light. And this is also about sonship. And essentially what, what, what the devil's trying to do here is he's trying to get Jesus to forfeit inheritance and forfeit destiny and forfeit ministry and just essentially commit suicide. That, that's really what, that's what the devil's out here. Uh, and, and so the reason I bring this up is this, is that, you know, how many people do we know that have, that have forfeited their inheritance Spiritual? How many people do we know that have forfeited their spiritual inheritance? How many people do we know who have, you know, have given up on life, taken their own life even, committed suicide? You know, what's the root of all this? The root of all this is that they haven't been formed and shaped in the Father's love. Their identity has been misshapen somewhere. The key to walking in, in, in spiritual inheritance is, is to walk in the Father's affection. You know, there's just, in my, in my personal opinion, there's just a lot on the line um, just for, for our state and for our nation and, and, uh, and, and for us guys here because I know the Lord wants to do, uh, do with us to shape what happens in the future. And, uh, you know, you, you wonder, you want to know why uh, you begin uh, when you receive uh, the Holy Spirit. You want to know why when, when you get some inkling that the Father approves of you that, you, that you run into opposition. It's because that's, that's, that's the key. I mean, like, an empowered person who, who moves with the affections of God is the most dangerous person in the world to the kingdom of hell. And so there's, it should be no surprise that we, that we, that we come into opposition at times. Yeah, so all significance in ministry comes, comes with trial and testing from the spirit realm. I want to say that again. All significance in ministry comes first with trial and testing in the spirit realm. Jesus is empowered by the, the Holy Spirit. He's received the Father's endorsement, and he, and he enters a time of testing in the spirit realm. Every, everyone who, who, who moves in something significant, everyone who, who is a, a culture changer and a reformer, uh, they, they deal with trial that comes from the spirit realm. But it's not just trial that comes from the spirit realm. It's not just trial that, that's, uh, you know, that's demonic in nature. But it's also trial in the natural. And, I, and we'll look a little further in chapter 4. This is after Jesus returns to Nazareth. Um, and he's in his hometown. And he, and he preaches, preaches a word to them out of Isaiah And it's that famous part where he talks about the spirit of the Lord is on me. Then I want you to look at this. Let's read in verse 20. He says, this is, after he's, um, this is after he's given his word in Isaiah. Then he says, Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and all were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. And look at what they say about him. They say, Isn't this Joseph's son? What's this about again? This is about identity all over again. And so significance in ministry... Significance in ministry is being the kind of person who can overcome, who can overcome uh, spiritual opposition as well as opposition in the natural. They said to him, isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, it's actually part of the comedy for me in Luke chapter 3 when Jesus is baptized. 
and and the father speaks and, and everyone hears and it's like vindication for Mary you know if she were there she's like finally you know because she's been living with this you know this this scourge of everyone thinking that she's just some floozy for so many years and, and that she, not only is she a floozy but she's a liar you know she told everyone God did it to me and so there there at baptism you know the heavens are opened up and God says this is my son you know it's like vindication for Jesus but there's something about the Father's approval that, uh, that, that, that prepares us to be people who carry uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so I think that's what the Lord wants to do this morning. I feel like we're moving into a season where we're going to know the love of God. Yeah, I really feel like in some ways last fall was about knowing was about beginning to know the power of God around here and this fall is going to be about beginning to know about the love of God about ministering power in in the affections of Jesus and um that's just where we're at right now. So why don't we do this? If you're on the ministry team, come on up. <clears throat>